Today is certainly one of the great feasts of our church, and I'm very excited to preach today. I'm not exactly sure everything I'm going to say, but um, it just so happens this week I'm heading back to Rome to continue my studies. There's been a lot going on just to wrap up final visits and family, and to have one last taste and sense of that family before you run back to Rome and do work has always been uh, motivating for me. And there's just a lot of energy right now, I think, in terms of family and life. And the church's celebration of Epiphany gives us a great focus to direct this energy. So there's lots of ideas I would love to talk about, and I won't try to go too long. But let's start with perspective. When I was in college at Notre Dame, um, unbeknownst to me, one of my, my writing seminar professors, Professor uh, Nicholson, who's since passed away, was teaching us the value of perspective in terms of literature and narrative. The importance of looking at the different characters and how they each interact with the plot and the story from their own perspectives give you different insights into what's happening and more importantly, what the author is trying to communicate through his story or his work. Perspective is very important. And the church, in its wisdom, every Sunday gives us a certain opportunity to investigate perspective in a very basic and simple way. If you think about it, we hear three readings, an Old Testament reading, a New Testament reading, and a gospel. And if you think about those, that offers us three different ways to approach a central theme or a point. And the point that we're looking at in the gospel, of course, is from the perspective of Christ. From the New Testament, it tends to be what happened after Christ. And the Old Testament is about what God was working in his plan to that moment in which Christ was revealed. So we have three different ways to look at what's happening. The exciting thing about perspective, which I'm grateful that Professor Nicholson instilled in us, was that when I got to my 20s, and I was a bachelor at a parish, I was actually a parishioner at St. Hilary's at the time, um, it prepared me for a, a difficult moment. Um, I was struggling, I think, just as many 20-something-year-olds are struggling at times with faith, with my place within the community, within the church, um, and I had recently lost a friend who was killed in a very tragic way. And so I was reflecting a lot on life and the value of, you know, where do you find value? Where, where do you find meaning in life? And I think Professor Nicholson's gift to me in terms of perspective really came to bear. One Sunday, I can't remember exactly which Sunday it was, but one of the Sundays in which we were reading from Isaiah again, this great prophetic work. And it occurred to me to change the perspective a little bit, instead of just being a story about a people of Israel, to look at it a little bit more personally. And my heart was wounded because of where I was at and all the things that I'd been experiencing lately. And I started to read Isaiah from the perspective of the human heart. If you've never done that, I would really suggest that is a great way to begin to enliven your faith. Read Isaiah from the perspective of the human heart. So in certain part, you hear that God allowed his people to be torn down and sent into exile. I mean, how much is that like any moment of our life where we're experiencing great difficulty 
and even at times feel abandoned by the very people we often look to to trust. But then you read later in Isaiah that God will restore and will build up again his people. And how beautiful that is for the human heart to know that out there in God's love, there's a place in which the human heart can be reborn. And it may not just be a physical place. It's the place of faith, the place of our trust in God. So I had this new perspective way of looking at Isaiah. And as I continued to discern and, and where I was going in life, of course, as you can tell, it led me to the priesthood. I began to realize that God has a different perspective in Isaiah even than just the human heart. He is looking to rebuild his people, to strengthen those with faith. And so the Old Testament story is being prepared for a time that we don't, that doesn't yet see Christ, but is envisioning his arrival. Isaiah talks about all the nations going to Jerusalem, all of the people, all the nations and peoples flocking to Israel and giving great gifts and things. So in the gospel, we see that actually happening. The gospel narrative is telling us that this is beginning to happen with this child, this son of Mary and Joseph. Herod's taken aback. His advisors are telling him, well, it's here in the books that this would happen one day, that peoples would come from a far nation to give homage to a king. And it seems to be unfolding in our midst. Now, he was taken aback, and he was very afraid that this new king meant that his rule would come to an end. He wanted to hold on to power. And he did a very horrible thing to, ask to keep that power. And how much does that seem to pair at times in our life when we cling to, to different things, different ideas, different thoughts, and at times are so uh, um, in the clutches of that idea it's very difficult to let go to see a new thing unfolding, something new happening. The Magi story presents a new awareness that the author has that God's plan is not just about a particular people of Israel, that it begins to involve more nations, more peoples. Israel, of course, at the time had uh, had understood itself as a chosen people and are particularly favored by God. But as the Christian revelation reveals in Christ, it doesn't end there. Israel is to be a light to the nations for all peoples. And God's plan as it was beginning in Israel was meant to go into each and every human heart for the conversion of all souls and a way for every soul to find its home with God. Now, if we left the discovery simply at that, that God has a plan to go from Israel to all the nations, I think we would be short-changing the gospel and the new perspective that Paul gives us then in the New Testament. I think that's just a simple way of reading it, that, all right, God sent his son. What he was doing for Israel, he meant to do for the whole world. That's a nice, neat little story, and it is one way to interpret the readings that we have today. 
In our day and age especially, we like new ideas. And tell me if I'm not right. Every election season, somebody professes something new in terms of a new idea politically. And they're, you know, out polling for votes. Listen to my idea, vote for me. Everyone's peddling new ideas. And there's a risk that sometimes we think an event like, well, going from Israel, this one people to the whole nations is simply the new idea of that age. This was the new thing 2,000 years ago when Christianity was started uh, in the aftermath of Christ's death and resurrection. This is how they understood something new was happening. Since I've understood these Gospels and been studying this, I'm not as taken aback by the new idea or the new thing as I once was, and I'm grateful for that new perspective. Because what the Gospels are revealing today isn't so much a new idea as a very old one, one that has been planted there from the very beginning of all creation by God and his goodness. The Christian revelation that Christ is the Son of God simply brings to light God's underlying plan for creation, for every human person, for you and I. And we're participating not in a new idea, but in a very old unfolding of God's plan. And that's what gives the Christian people a stability that endures the rise and falls of nations. For the power the Herods of the world seek through material gains, economy, or military might for putting down those who seem to stand in their way is not a power that can endure the glance of God's love. The power that conquers nations is faith. The power that conquers nations is faith. Our faith in God, who has been working from the very foundation of all creation to bring about a plan in and through his son, Jesus Christ, a plan to be revealed for the nations, to show humanity its ultimate destination, its ultimate end, its telos. Where are we going? We are going with Christ to the Heavenly Father. We are passing through this life to an eternal life that will endure forever. And the strength and the instrument that takes us there is our faith. May we have the strength in the moments of our weakness to ask God to continue to unfold his plan in our life, to reveal himself within our hearts as we encounter his scripture, as we encounter the mystery that we celebrate unfolded upon this altar. The real questions that endure in all generations because of faith. Who are we seeking and where are we seeking him? The answer has been revealed in Jesus Christ. We are seeking the Christ, the light of the world, and we look for him in the community of faith that has been gathered in his name 
from the moment of his death and resurrection, the moment in which he was revealed as the Son of God, the moment which we continue to live in each and every liturgy of the church. Christ has died, Christ is risen. Hallelujah.